Welcome to another podcast with yours truly, me, Daryl J. Bennett. I am so excited to be here with you and thank you for listening. I don't take this lightly. Today, you're going to get a very special treat. You're going to get to listen in on a live sermon I gave recently at Truth and Life Family Worship Center in my hometown, Baltimore, Maryland. Yes, we say it like it's a D in the word, Baltimore. Don't joke on me. The title of my message is God Knows When. He has not forgotten. He remembers. And though the vision tarry, it will speak and not lie because God knows when. Listen in. I hope you enjoy. But if you could stand for the reading of God's word. I believe God wants to do something today. I, I believe God wants to do something today. I, I don't believe that it's an accident that I'm here. I don't think it's serendipity. I believe that God wants to break chains today. God wants a new beginning. God wants a new beginning. My God, have your way. First Samuel chapter 1 verse 9 and so hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in shallow and thank you just flow with me thank you brother now eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the lord and she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you indeed look on the affliction of your maid servant and remember me and not forget your maid servant, but give your maid servant a male child. She was specific about what she was asking for. Then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. It takes faith to pledge to give God something you don't have in your hand. And, and it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. You missed that. She didn't even have to speak the words. She didn't have to speak the words. She, she spoke it in her heart. And Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I'm a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but I have poured out my soul before the Lord. Don't consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and my grief, I've spoken until now. Then Eli answered and said, go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition which you've asked of him. And she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went away and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Then they rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord and returned and came to their house in Ramah. And Elkanah knew his wife, Hannah, and the Lord 
remembered her. The Lord remembered her. And so it came to pass in the process that Hannah conceived and she bore a son and she called his name Samuel. She gave him the name of God in his name. Samuel, because I've asked him, I've asked him, I've asked him, I 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 prayed, I fasted, I believe, I asked him, I asked him, I asked him from the Lord. Now, if you would just continue with me to chapter three, and I know we're reading a lot of scripture, but I want to I want to set the context. I want to I want to set the stage for what God is going to do, what God is going to do. And now the boy we're in chapter three, verse one. Now the boy Samuel, Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Your translation might say it was scarce. It was precious. Uh, and there was no widespread re revelation. And it came to pass that at that time that Eli was lying down in his place. And when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see. And before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was. And while Samuel was laying down, that's when the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel said, here I am. So he ran to Eli. He ran to Eli, pastor. He heard the call from God, but he ran to Eli. <laughs> and, and he said uh, to Eli, I, I'm here for you called me. And Eli said, I didn't call you. Lie down again. And he went and he laid down. And the Lord called yet again Samuel so Samuel arose and went again to Eli and said here I am for you called me and Eli answered and said I didn't call you my son go lie down again now now Samuel did not know the word of the Lord. It might be in parentheses in your Bible because the writer is breaking the story to give us context of what's happening. Now Samuel did not know the Lord. Samuel knew about the Lord. Samuel had been raised in the temple, but Samuel didn't know the Lord. Samuel didn't know the Lord, nor was the word yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time aren't you glad he keeps calling aren't you glad he keeps calling and he arose Samuel and he went to Eli a third time and said here I am for you called me then see this is when the story gets good then Eli perceived that this thing was God that the Lord had called the boy Just footnote when you see in scripture witness or discern or you see the word perceive that's when the mind is grasping what the spirit already understands he perceived this thing he perceived it he perceived it and I need you to get this the person who heard the word didn't perceive it was God. But the person who perceived it didn't hear the word. 
Oh, I'm, 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 I'm going to come back to that. I'm going to come back to that. It, it says, so therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down. And it shall be, if he calls you, that you must say, speak, Lord. You know the story. Speak, Lord, for your servant, your servant, your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. In his place, I know we live in a world where people will tell you you can be anything, but it is a lie. You better be what God called you to be. You got to get in your place. You got to be in your place. And now the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, speak. For your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, look, to 2023 translation, look, I will do something in Israel. I will do it in Israel. I will do it in Israel. I will do it at which both the ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. I, and I know, I know, I'm going to finish this for a second, but I, I know. I know that when there's disruption in our lives, we tend to rebuke the devil. We, we, we tend to think it's the devil. And I think religion kind of taught us that. That it was a hex. It was a witch. It was a warlock. It was a principality. It was a ruler of darkness of this world. But sometimes, sometimes, Minister Angie, sometimes the disruption isn't from the devil. Sometimes the shaking is happening and it's God. God said, I'm going to do this thing. And in that day, we're in 12, in that day, I will perform against Eli all that I spoke concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows because his sons made themselves vile and that he did not restrain them. And therefore, I have sworn to the, be careful when God swears, but I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. So Samuel lay down until the morning. You notice it doesn't say he went to sleep. That's a hard word to go to sleep on. Because the call of God is disruptive. Away with people who act like every time God called them, they were in a high place. And they ran up and down the church. But, but Samuel lay there until the morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision called, but he was afraid. And he had been given an open word from God, but he was afraid. And, and Eli called Samuel, because I'm going to tell you something. Samuel might have gone to sleep, but I can tell you for sure who didn't get any sleep that night was Eli. Because it tells us that Eli said to him, uh, where, where are we at? Where are we at? We're at 17. What is the word? Excuse me. Excuse me. Hold on. Hold on. Let's go to 10, 16. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, I don't want to miss this. I don't want to miss this part. I almost missed this part because Samuel answered, here I am. Now Samuel knows the difference between the voice of God and the voice of man. Y'all got that. Y'all got that. I didn't want to gloss over that. 17. And Eli said, what is the word that the Lord spoke to you? 
I'm going to show you how stressed he is. He said, and don't hide it from me. And God, do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all the things he said to you. And Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, Eli said, it's the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. I'm, 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 at, I'm coming to the end. I'm coming to the end. So Samuel grew and the Lord was with him. And let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Bathsheba knew that Samuel had been established. Had been established as a prophet of the Lord. Then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh. For the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. I want to speak, I'm going to pray, but I want to speak from the title, God Knows When. Holy God, we thank you that you're in this place. We don't come for another church service because you said that you came that we would have life, not just church. That, 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 that we would have life, not just an emotional high. That we would have life and life more abundantly, God. We need new revelation. We don't want to come into a new year with an old mindset. We know that it is not the ticking of the clock that makes the difference. It is the transformation of our mind. Help us to see what's been hidden. Reveal to us the ways that we've gotten in the way. Show us your will clearly. Let us walk in new favor. Give us new capacity. Give us new wineskins. Give us new ways of thinking. Give us new ways of talking to ourselves and talking to others. Lord, make a new beginning in our lives. And let it start here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Precious people of God, take your seats. Oh, it's good to see y'all. Let me start by saying that. It's good to see y'all. I was in Paris talking about y'all. I'm, I'm, I'm being serious. I was talking about y'all. Y'all family. This is, this, this passage of scripture, and thank you for tearing with me as we read through it. I didn't just want to give you a, a verse or two. I thought it was important that we really lay context the book of Samuel, the first book of Samuel, is a book of pivots. It's a book of change. It's a book of times of uncertainty. I, I've been, the Holy Spirit won't let me get out of 1 Samuel. I've been in 1 Samuel for several months now. Because I think there's something that God wants to do. The, the scripture says that eyes haven't seen nor have ears heard. And we tend to dance over that, but we got to read the whole scripture. It says, but it has been revealed. It has been revealed. It has been revealed. 
And I believe that what God is seeking to do, he is seeking to do something so big that people are going to begin to look at our lives and say, what must I do to be saved? That our lives become a living witness of the power of God. Away with Christianity as a philosophy. We want God as power. We want to live in the finished work of what God has prepared. And I'm going to, I'm going to get to the text. I'm going to get to the text. But I, I think it is important that we note that this is as much about 2023 and where we are as a nation and as a world as this is about Samuel. In fact, Samuel is just the backdrop. You, you would have to know, you don't even have to be spiritual to know, we are going through unprecedented times. We're going through unprecedented times. And, and there is a shift that's happening. There, there's a shift because, because Samuel is a book of doors closing and doors opening. In fact, in verse 12, it says that when I, when I make a beginning, I'll make an end. You know, I almost, I almost, first lady, wanted to call this new beginnings. I almost wanted to call it new beginnings because the truth of the matter is that before God does something new, he closes something old. That's, that's where it takes our part in partnering with God. That many times we're waiting for a new manifestation where we're praying for it and we're asking for it and we're believing God for it, but we won't shut the door to the past. But the word says that unless a grain of seed fall to the ground, <laughs> yeah, 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 it, it, that unless it dies, it won't bear much fruit until it dies. And I think that sometimes we are held up from the promises of God because we refuse to let things die. You, we're, we're waiting for a new door to open, but the truth of the matter is a door first has to close. A door has to close. This is a message about carriage to close doors. I don't know who I'm talking to. This is a message about carriage to walk out of places that we should have never been in. This is a message about new beginnings and about our part. And about our part. Our part. And so I almost called it new beginnings because I was thinking about everything that's going on in the world. In the past seven days, we've had giants that's transitioned. The former first lady. Sandra Day O'Connor, who was the first woman Supreme Court Justice. Henry Kissinger, who wrote, the, whatever you might think of him, he wrote the book for the foreign policy that we've followed for the past probably two generations. Charlie Munger, one of the greatest financiers of his day. Business partner to Warren Buffett. Look at all the people that are in power, and we know just because of my age, Within five to ten years, this the country's gonna look completely different. And I and I and I and I almost called it new beginnings because what I have found is sometimes it's hard for us to see a beginning, but we can perceive an end. And instead of rebuking the end, 
and trying to cast the demon out of the end <laughs> and try to throw anointing on the end. Maybe it's God that's doing it. Because before there is a beginning, there, there, there has to be an end. The, the, the text before us, the text before us is a beautiful text. And, and brother, you can, you can minister through music as you, yes. Yeah. Flow, brother, flow, brother. God gave you that gift. Let's use that. Praise God. The, the text before us is really a peculiar text. It's a peculiar text. Because Samuel is the one who stands between the era of the judges and the time of the kings. Before David. <laughs> before Solomon. Before the lineage of the dynasties that would rule. There was Samuel. Samuel was a prefigure of Christ. You, you would know that because he was, he was raised by someone who wasn't his father but took on the role of a father. And he was, he was brought into a bloodline that really was not his own because he was not of the lineage of, of Aaron, not, not, not physically. The, the book of Samuel is, is really interesting because you know, we have Genesis and Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy and Joshua and Judges. And much of what we get in those books is a 30,000 foot view of scripture. And entire centuries are covered in one chapter. But Samuel is different. Samuel, the writer slows down to give us an understanding of this person. If I had time passed, I would talk about the fact that God uses people and that the story of God's province on earth is through people. Imperfect. Jacked up. <laughs> Still trying to figure it out. People. And so the, the book of Samuel, it's, a, it's an interesting book because the book starts with a woman who has a problem, Hannah. Hannah was vexed because she wanted a child, but she, she couldn't have the child. Now, I, I don't want to speculate on God's motives because his ways are higher than our ways, but the word says that God had shut up her womb. That's what the word says. I, I, I thought it was interesting that the book starts with a problem. And that we're introduced to Samuel through his mother's affliction. I, I wonder how many people, your life, more, some of your life happened before you got on the scene. That words were spoken over you before you got on the scene. And things were said before you got on the scene. And you're fighting things and you think it's about you. But it's generational. And so I think the writer was careful to talk to us about the affliction of Hannah so we could have a backdrop for the purpose of Samuel. 
Hannah comes to the temple of God and we're told that she pours out her spirit. Sorrowful. Have you ever wanted something from God so bad and you prayed and you fasted and you believed God? Can I come down here? And it didn't happen. This is, this is, this is not a story about someone who doesn't know God. This is, this, is, this is not a story about someone who has to be introduced to the Lord. This is a story about someone who was faithful to God, who had a request, and the request wasn't answered. And she prayed, and it didn't change. And she fasted, and she came year after year after year after year to the temple, and it didn't move. And I wonder... Have you ever had something that you wanted so bad from God? And you just wondered, why won't he do it? And this is the thing. This is the thing to add insult to injury. The other woman that Elk and I was married to kept having children. And, and she was mocking her. And we're told that she was so sorrowful that when she came to the temple and poured out her heart, that Eli saw a mouth moving and words not coming out, and Eli assumed she was drunk. Because the, the truth of the matter is, people will step into the middle of your story and think they know the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And, they, and guess what? They might know God, and they might be called by God, and they might have served God, but that doesn't mean they know you. And Hannah looks like she can't catch a break. She's afflicted at home. She's barren in her womb. And the man of God has now rebuked her. Yes. And what do you do when you want something from God and it doesn't happen? And we're told that she says to Eli, I'm... I'm not drunk. I'm in grief. It's a difference. I'm in grief. Be be because, because one thing that I have learned about women is that women are nurturers. And women will nurture a baby and they'll nurture pain. And that pain is what she was pouring out. And Eli said, Eli said, may God grant you the thing. May God grant you the thing that you've requested. You notice she never told him what she requested. Because see, you got to learn to keep some stuff to yourself. It, it, it ain't everybody's business. 
don't want to miss the fact that words didn't come out. I don't know who I'm talking to here on this, but I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me clearly. The most powerful thing that you'll say is often never given an audible voice. It's what you say in your heart to yourself when life happens, when disappointments happen, when the prayer doesn't go through the way you wanted it to go through, when the manifestation doesn't happen. She said it in her heart. This, this isn't even a vowel, it's an audible vowel. I need you to catch this. She said it in her heart. And Eli said, may God grant you the thing. And we're told that she put away her sorrowful countenance. She put, on, put away her sorrowful countenance. And she went to the house of the Lord and again and back to her house. And Elkanah knew her and she bore a son. And the child that was born, she named him Samuel. Now you got to catch this. We don't have any precedent for this in the Bible. We have no precedent for this. Yes, we have precedent for people asking for children and wounds being shut and anguish and sorrowful spirits, but we don't have any precedent where there is a vow given before the baby even comes. And in a patriarchal society, it is the woman who made the decision and never having told her husband because the truth of the matter is, I know that there are some things that even the person that is your spouse, you've never spoken to. And God sent me here to tell you, God heard. Oh, he heard. And she names the child Samuel. And there's different translations. Some say it, it means the name of God. Some says it means God hears. She said she named him Samuel because the Lord God has given him to me. But Samuel isn't just any child. The, the, the point I'm trying to get to is that she wanted personally what God would use providentially. See, she thought Samuel was her plan. <laughs> Samuel was God's purpose. We don't have any precedent for someone who has a child and then they give the child away. And I don't, I don't want to miss this because sometimes we put a religious veneer over when we read the Bible. I don't want us to miss the fact that Samuel is a real person. And I wonder, because Samuel essentially was the first person in the Bible who was adopted. That's what we would call it today. And I wonder what struggles he went through with that. 
he wasn't adopted into like a family. It wasn't Eli and a, and a wife. It was Eli, an older man. And so here he is, having been given away by his natural parents and brought into the household of this older man. And then God speaks to him with a very disruptive word. We're told that, we're told that when Eli was in his place and right before the lamp of God went out where the ark was because they would have slept in quarters in the courtyard of the tabernacle. In the dead of the night that God visits Samuel. And I, and I don't want you to miss the fact I don't want you to miss the fact that God often talks to us in the silent places, in the dark places. I, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know that religious people would have you believe that, that, that they were on the mountaintop and that God called them and that they were singing in the choir when God gave them the word. But the truth of the matter is that for most of us, we were called in darkness. Most of us. We were called in sin. We were called in an outer place. We were called confused. I don't want you to miss, I don't want you to miss, Pastor, that, that God is orchestrating this whole thing. God is orchestrating this whole thing. And it looks like, it looks like Samuel's alone. It looks like he's isolated. It looks like he's without. But God got him right where he needs him. So he could speak to him. Can I tell you something a little personal, but I think it's important that I share this here. Do you want to know why when people come out of prison, either they come out a lot better or a lot worse? Because there's so much time to reflect. I, I, I know, I know, and I've heard people say, yes, I've pulled away and God is speaking to me, but we have so many distractions. I'm talking about out in this world. We got so many distractions. The, the phone is going off and we've got the emails and of course we got to check social media and some of us got the watch and the watch is binging and we're listening to the headphones and it, there's so many things competing for our attention. But I've been in places where it was all quiet on the western front. And that's the time, that's the time that God was able to get my attention on a different level. I don't want you to miss that
Samuel is called by God in the middle of the night. And with the call, there comes confusion. Because the call of, this, of God is disruptive. He hears the call, he runs to Eli. Because the truth is, for many of us, when we heard the call of God, we ran to other things. And I need to say that so you take the judgment off yourself. Because I need you to take the judgment off of yourself. It's not odd to run to other things to try to fill. Because, because you heard the call, but, it's, but, but, but it, he hadn't perceived it was the call. And we're told that he ran to Eli. And, th and this is why, if I can put a footnote, this is why for those of us that are in positions of a spiritual authority, this is why it's extra careful to be very, very, very cognizant of what we speak over people's lives. Because in people's initial journey with God, I have found that it is hard for them to recognize or distinguish the difference between God's voice and the person who introduced them to God. And so he runs to Eli. Now mind you, Eli, Eli, and I know my time is coming from Eli, 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 can I just talk about Eli for a second? Eli's the high priest. Eli is from the line of Aaron his fourth son. Eli's the one who has trusteeship of the ark. Eli's word is what reigns supreme because there is no king. Eli hears from God or heard from God and Eli spoke to the people. But you would remember in the first verse of chapter 3 we're told that the, the word was scarce because he was in the position but he no longer had the power. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to stick on that too long because there's, there's analogies for where we are today. People who have positions, but there's really no power. There's really no power. And 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 Eli represents what was. Be cognizant when the scripture points out anybody whose eyes are dim. Because you, you would remember Moses who spoke to God face to face was 120 years old and it says his eyes were not dim. So there's a distinction that's being made here. Eli, 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 Eli has the position, he has the title, he has the authority but he doesn't have that much discernment. Eli's how God used to move. Remember I told you this is a book of shifts. Eli's what God used to do. And, and sometimes, sometimes, sometimes it's hard for us, I'm going to tell you, sometimes it's hard for us to, to follow what God is doing because we're so married to what God used to do. I once heard somebody say, you've got to be careful, not just talking about your losses, sometimes you've got to be careful talking about your successes. 
Because you hold on to that so much, not realizing God has more. And the truth is, there is a reason why when the baby comes out of the womb, the umbilical cord is cut. Because what will feed you and nourish you in one season will strangle you in another one. And so, Eli represents the old. And here Samuel, we cannot gloss over this point. Samuel gets a word that the man that has raised him, the man that's a father to him, the one who took him in when his own parents left him at the doorstep of God, that now his house will be destroyed forever. You don't tell me that the call of God isn't disruptive. Can you imagine having to tell anybody that God is going to judge your whole house forever? Let alone someone who raised you, who loved you, who fed you, who nurtured you, who taught you, who tutored you. I need you to understand the dilemma of Samuel so we don't just gloss through it and read it and get excited and feel like all through the entire text Samuel was happy. Samuel was caught in a dilemma. He's called by God. But he had this responsibility, this word, this disruptive word, a word where the Lord says, I'm going to do something so big in Israel that people's ears are going to tingle. And I'm going to orchestrate it. You're not going to have to strategize this. You're not going to have to mastermind it. You're not going to have to figure it out. I am going to do this thing. And he lay until the morning and Eli first thing in the morning comes to him and says, now tell me everything. And after he gets the call, there comes a choice. Because after you get a call, there always comes a choice. Yeah. Remember I said we got to talk about First Lady partnering with God. There always comes a choice. He was in fear. But do I tell Eli what it was that I heard? Can I, can I be trusted with the word of God? And share it even though it might hurt some people's feelings. Am I more interested in being popular or in being powerful? And we're told that Samuel tells them everything. And from this moment forth, the power dynamics have changed. Samuel's still a boy. But Samuel, from this point, is the de facto leader of all of Israel. It's at this point that we recognize all of this was orchestrated by God because he had a bigger purpose if we just look at this as a story about Samuel and a story about Hannah and a story about Eli, then we'll miss it. Yeah. 
But if we see it as the story of humanity, that God was preparing the way for the Christ who would come through David, who would be anointed by Samuel. I told you before that Samuel stands in between, betwixt in between the age of the judges and the era of the kings. God would use Samuel to do spectacular things. And it all began with a woman's affliction. And at first, hold on, hold on. At first, it seems unfair that God would shut up her womb. Because we've all had things happen in our lives that are unfair. And I'm not saying that the thing you're struggling with, let me be clear, I'm not saying that God did it. But what I am saying is, we've all struggled with things that are unfair. But it looks unfair if we stay in chapter 1. <laughs> it looks unfair if we stay in chapter 1. But by the time we get to Matthew and Mark and Luke and Mary, we're told with the the baby, or excuse me, Elizabeth, the baby leaped in her womb when Mary greeted her. We understand that God was a master strategist. I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure that if she had not been afflicted, that she would have given her son to the temple. And I'm not so sure if she didn't give her son to the temple that there would have been a Samuel. Oh, he may have been given the name, but would he have had the connection with God that he had? The relationship with God that he had? I'm not so sure if, if, he, if he lived with his natural family and his natural parents and had a normal upbringing, if he would have cleaved to God as he did. And I'm not so sure that if Samuel didn't anoint David, that if the story would have been the same, yes, the Christ would have come. But the story would have been different. And so the Christ comes through the lineage of David, who is anointed by Samuel. And it started with the problem of a woman who seemed barren because it had to be so because God knows when he knows when he, he knows trust me he knows when people say God's on time I don't, I don't believe that God doesn't work in time the way we think of time a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is unto a day. God is God. And God knows when. God was not looking at one generation. He was not looking even at one people. He was looking through the corridors of time, and he was looking at the history of humanity. 
And so it was good that Hannah was afflicted because it was a part of the purpose of God to bring Samuel into the world because God knows when. And he orchestrated it such that Samuel would be born in the time that Samuel was born in. Not in the time of the judges. Not, not, not in the time of, 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 of Samson and Jephthah. Not later at the age of the kings. He's born at just this opportune moment. Because God knows when. And God knew how to isolate him for the season he had to isolate him to get him to get the word. Because God knows when. And what looks like coincidence or serendipitous events or random was never random. God had him where he needed him to get his attention so he could give him the word because God knows when. All of it came together, not even in Samuel's lifetime. I want to say that again, not even in Samuel's lifetime. I'm not so sure that Samuel at the end of his life understood what you and I understand having the benefit of thousands of years later. Because the truth of the matter is, I know this isn't edifying what I'm going to say, but i got to say it. The truth of the matter is, sometimes we're just one part in what God is doing. And we may not see the whole manifestation in our lifetime. Yes, because first the blade, and then the ear, and then the full corn will appear. And I know we live in a world where we want everything now. We want everything now. And everything has to happen now. But I remember recently I was talking to one of my classes on the university level. We were talking about the American dream. And we were talking about what does it mean to you? And somebody raised his hand. He's from the Dominican Republic. And he said, Professor, I think the American dream is generational. I think it's generational. I think there were some things that got started with me and, it'll, and, 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 and yes, I'll keep doing it, but it was for the next generations. And sometimes we miss it because we want it all to happen in our time. But God knows. I know my time is coming to an end. I came because I heard the Holy Spirit saying when I was sitting there, I just really I just heard one thing. said, tell my people, tell my people, tell my people that there's more. I came to share this story so you don't get weary and well-doing Listen, listen to me, listen to me now. I know what it's like for the enemy to run all through my mind, telling me all kinds of things. 
I know what it's like to feel like maybe it's just not my lot in life. I still love God. Can I just talk honestly? Still love God. Still called according to his purpose. Still will come to church, dance and sing. But to just say, you know, I, I thought that, yeah, when I was younger. But if it hasn't happened by now. <laughs> if, if, if I prayed for it this long. And, and I don't even, I don't even see it starting to happen I don't I don't even see it we didn't we didn't we didn't have time to, to really get into it but you'll read it on your own that when God judges the house of Eli it all happens in a day in 24 hours the sons are killed the father falls back the wife uh, gives birth prematurely and dies the kid comes all of this happens in one day because there are some things that take a long time and there's some things that take 10 years at school and there's some things that take five years of business coaching and there's some things that take 20 years of mentorship but there's something that God is going to do suddenly and the enemy will work on your mind over time and say if he really was going to do it if he really was going to do it maybe it wouldn't have totally happened now but you'd see something And so I came to encourage you that God knows when. And he is not slack as people would consider slack. And though the vision tarry, it will speak and not lie. I came to encourage parents. Nivy, the whole time you were dancing, your daughter was looking right at you. Because God knows when. And there's, there's things that we pray for, Pastor. And they get passed through the generations. And, we, and, and I think, again, we give the devil so much stage. We always talk about generational curses, generational curses. But how about generational blessings? How, how about the fact that some of us are here because generations before prayed and they didn't even know us. And so I came to encourage you that though you may not see it today, they might be estranged from you today. But the word of the Lord is, God knows And the enemy, the enemy is fighting for your mind. Can I be honest with you? He does not mind you dancing at the church. I heard somebody once say, devil trying to keep me from going to church. Devil will give you a ride to go to church. What the devil doesn't want is for you to take control of your mind. For it is with the mind that we serve God. It is with the mind that we choose good over evil. 
It is with the mind that we say that my house shall serve the Lord. The enemy in this season is fighting for your attention. I'm coming to an end. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. It's a fight for focus because I want to pray. It's a fight for focus. It's a fight for focus. It's a fight for focus. The enemy is the master of distraction and illusion. The bait and switch because it's a fight for focus. And I came because I don't want my people. And God doesn't want his people to just be emotionally involved with him. Yes. He wants us to have a change in mindset. A change in self-limiting behaviors and beliefs. A change that you would not be conformed to the pattern of this world. This world has a pattern. But you would be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is a season where everything is shifting. And I do believe that it is the word of the Lord that you're going to see over the next two to three years. Watch, watch, watch when I say this. You're going to see over the next two to three years, the world as we know it is going to completely shift. The way we're paying is already changing. Don't be late on this. Don't be late on this. We don't want the church to always be behind talking about, you know, that's the devil. That's the enemy. The way we pay is different. The way we go to school is different. The way we work is different. The way we have applications is different. I had the opportunity. I can't talk too much about it because I, I had to sign three NDAs to do this. But I had the opportunity to go to Meta's headquarters in New York. And test out some of their new products that are coming. And what I can tell you, y'all, the world is shifting. And it won't be long that there are people now that have overdraft in their account. But if you listen to God, you'll have millions with yeah. this disruption. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. It's a disruption. Because God is shaking Everything, every system is being shaken. Because God knows when. And he would not have it that the end of the world would come until the systems of this world become the systems of our God and his Christ. He wouldn't just have us talking about the promise and never walking into it. And so partly what I want to say today is to get ready to get in the position that what our forefathers prayed about, it's here. 
The largest transfer of wealth in the history of humanity is happening now. With the passing of the, the baby boomers, you're talking over $17 trillion. Do you realize how many monies our families fought for and they was disinherited and lands were taken and now there's conversations that are happening at tables about equity and about ownership and about owning lands and if you're not careful you'll be on Instagram scrolling and you'll miss the move because God knows when because God knows when to bring his people into prosperity you weren't ready for it before. You were going to take the money and give it back to the people he didn't want to have it in the first place. They say if you took all the money in the world and you distributed it evenly within seven years, 95% of it would be right back where it started. Why do y'all think I'm always talking about entrepreneurship? Why do you think I'm always talking about financial freedom? Why do you think I'm always talking about changing the way we think? Because God knows when. What good is it to give it to you if you don't know what to do with it? So we got to talk about teaching. We got to talk about getting in classes. We got to talk about learning new ways of doing things. We got to talk about understanding what credit is. We got to start talking about how to change the way that we do things. Because God wants to do it more than you want it. God, I'm coming to a close on this. God always intended Hannah to have the child. That's the funny thing. She wasn't convincing God. You know how we say, I got to move God. You ain't going to move God. God on his throne. God is on his throne. God knew from the beginning of time that he was going to bring it to pass. God knows when. I want to pray. I want to pray with you today. That the Lord is going to, I want, I'm going to tell you exactly. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I want to pray that the Lord begins to bring in this house. begins to bring in this house I see people coming from all over pastor to this house to begin speaking into your lives around new ways of thinking and being I'm talking about skilled professionals at what they do because see there has to be a transfer of the education I, I, I know I gotta come to a close how many of y'all remember Idi Amin how many of y'all remember Idi Amin the story of Idi Amin, really quickly, the story of Idi Amin in Uganda in the 70s, he woke up one morning and said that he thought that the Indians, the, the, the Indians that were over there, were milking the cow but not feeding it. And so he came up with this idea because the Indians who were not native to Uganda, they owned 70% of the infrastructure. He said, I'm going to give you three months to leave. And we're going to take everything. And people rejoiced. And people yelled. Not the people who had to leave, of course. Their, their infrastructure is still bankrupt to this day. And it wasn't just because the international community turned on them. It was because nobody knew what to do with it. 
So they had businesses, but they hadn't been trained. And they had money, and they didn't know what to do with it. And so it actually created more of a problem. There was a flood of drugs because people didn't know and God doesn't want to give us something that's going to destroy us and I want to pray that God is going to bring people into this house to begin speaking into the people and that there will be this is it this is it this is the prayer that there is going to be a ground swell that's going to happen out of Maryland not just Baltimore and it's going to start with this house it's going to start with this house it's going to start with this house. It's going to start with this house. And that there will be a generational anointing. I speak businesses. I speak ideas come into fruition. I see angel investors. Don't limit God. Don't limit God. Don't limit God. Pull your notebooks back out books that you had written before prototypes you had put together don't limit God holy God thank you for your word you encourage me with your word because you know when you know when you know when to bring it to pass you know when to accelerate us. You know when to deliver us. You know when to open a door. God, and you know when to shut a door. Lord, you know that it was never, it was never your desire for us to be and want and lack and struggle for decades and for centuries, maybe for a season, but not for the way that it's lasted. Lord, we have prayed that ancestors who have passed on and they were, some of them were never paid for their work and lands were taken and businesses were confiscated and ideas were misappropriated and brands were snatched from up under them. We have prayed for the restoration. We don't, we don't just... We don't just come to you, God, with this general belief that you exist. No, we know that you are a man of your word. That you wouldn't lie. That if you spoke it, you'll bring it to pass. That if you said it, you'll do it. So we're asking to get in, help us to get in the place so we can receive. So we can be ambassadors of your goodness. Help us to take the limits off of our minds. Help us to change the things we're putting in our minds. Help us to talk to ourselves differently. Help us to get in the mirror and say with conviction, I am the head and not the tail. I don't care what my bank account says. I am the lender and not the borrower. Lord, may you bring people from the east, the west, the north, and the south to this house. To this house. To this, to this house, Lord. May you honor the man of God and the first lady of God over this house who have stood before you for decades. 
by bringing people into this place to begin to teach on a different level around business, around relationships, around a negotiation, around ideation, around execution, around goal achievement, Lord. May, Lord, the things that have been in the heart of the first lady and the pastor, that they've never spoken to anybody, maybe not even to each other. May, Lord, you bring it to pass. And may, Lord, every child in this house, especially that is under this word, may the anointing that you put on me for entrepreneurship, for business building, for creating ideas and monetizing it, may it rest on them. May you put them in boot camps, Lord, where they begin to start putting ideas to paper and people come and see them and say, I think you should be doing this and not that. May dreams be born again to go to schools and places all over the world, places that maybe their families couldn't imagine them going to, but you put it in their heart. And Lord, when you, not if you do it, when you do it, like Hannah, we're going to have the faith to give you something on credit, not having it in our hand, but holding it in our heart. When you do it, we won't give the school the glory. We won't give eloquence the glory. We won't give our gifts, the law of attraction, the universe, whatever word you want to use, the glory. We'll say it was you that did it. It was you that did it. And we thank you and we praise you for the manifestation in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated, people of God. Thank you.